This is Subject to Change, a podcast from WNCU. we're exploring the state of life in Durham after years of COVID-19 lockdowns and a decade of downtown revitalization. Today, producer Shania Hayes checks in on the state of small businesses. Growing up in Durham, I was detached from how much drive and hustle the city breeds, but also from the support that's here. I think everyone hates where they are from in a way either because people that make you feel like you should leave your hometown and do more, or whether that's intristic, many can relate to just wanting to turn their back on their hometown and rising above it all, if you will. That's what hometowns are supposed to be. And while I resonate with that, when I took a step back and thought about what Durham meant to me as a true Durhamite, I realized there's an undeniable love that I have for the city. I wanted to focus this podcast episode on just that. Initially, my thoughts were just that I wanted to reveal local gems. As I began thinking this thing through, I realized it was so much bigger than that. Could you tell me your name and your occupation? My name is Letitia, and I'm a hairstylist. My aunt Letitia Brown did hair in Lakewood Shopping Center for a good part of my childhood. I remember when I would go to her shop in Lakewood, and I would get my hair done. Um, I was probably like in like middle school, maybe. Um, yeah, um, you would come when you were in elementary school, too. So this is probably like late 2009 to like 2014, 15? Yeah, a long time. You've been coming to get your hair done for a long time. My aunt was the person who introduced me to the rawness of the city. With her being born and raised in Durham, she knew almost everything about it. My mother, my primary caretaker, is not originally from Durham, so spending the time down at the shop, as we would call it, truly opened my eyes to the city's culture. My aunt and I have have a great relationship, so I spent time there about once a week all my middle school years. Most of the mothers that came to my salon, if they had sons, of course, they went to the barbershop. And then um, most of the customers that got their hair done, of course, they're going to get their taxes done at tax time. If they want tattoos, of course, they're going to the tattoo parlor to get their tattoos done. So we all kind of like referred one another to go to each other business, which was really good. I, I really enjoyed the fact that we we acted as if we were family. I remember um, the eyebrow lady, too. <laughs> remember everyone used to like her eyebrows? Jay. Jade. Yeah. And then she moved. And then was like, oh, I don't know where she went. But yeah, I do kind of remember everyone going um, down, like up and down the shopping center and stuff like that. Can you talk about people like selling stuff or like, what was that like? Was it like vendors? I even remember like the, the corn. Yes. (laughs) I forgot about the corn. So there was a Hispanic guy that used to come in the salon. He sold corn um, and fruit out of his truck. So, yeah, we had different vendors that would come in the businesses selling stuff. And then we had the one guy, Food for Life. He sold salads, all those good salmon salads, and he actually still sell those. And then we had Kiwan, 
wine Hester that sold the slices, sells the slices of cake, right? So Kiwan went to high school with me, and Kiwan now has a thriving business. It was truly an original experience reflecting on it. Every time I pass by Lakewood Shopping Center, I think of my time there. My aunt brings up Kiwan Hester. He is the owner of Favorite Desserts Bakery. While I do not know him personally, he was one of the first people I thought of when researching local businesses in the Durham area. At one point, we went down to the shop consistently on Saturdays. I vividly remember waiting for him to come down to Lakewood to sell cakes. I felt like an eyewitness to the growth of Favorite Desserts. Every time I'm in the mood for a slice of cake, I go down to his shop right over by Lowe's Grove Middle School. But I was shocked to see him on campus last fall selling his cakes. I was walking to Starbucks from Ferris and Newton Communications building on campus when I saw him selling cakes out his truck. I always have a great admiration for his story and his humble beginnings. Being immersed in the drive and the hustle that the local business owners possess inspired and affected me in many ways I was not always aware of. Someone who I think embodies the hustle is my cousin, Imaje Singleton. She's a young entrepreneur in the Durham and Greensboro area. Imaje is related to me on my mother's side, so she is not related to my aunt Tish. At just 21, she is the founder of Clothing Line Habits Co. and co-founder of Imaje Naturals, a skincare line. She started her first business with her mother in high school, and their drive has always inspired me. Originally from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, she spent her formative years growing up here. How does the culture of Durham shape you and your business? I would say a lot of my customers and supporters are from Durham, so I always try to keep them in mind when I'm either making new clothing or if I'm running new sales or promotions and things like that. Do you think being from Durham shaped who you are or your brand in any way? Like, did growing up here impact you in a way that it bled through your brand? I would say yes, um, because I run two businesses where I service people. Um, I would say that Durham has helped me shape somewhat of my style and like some of my creation. While Imaje successfully used her spare time to launch a second business venture in the height of the pandemic, it did create problems for some. Unfortunately, around this time, many businesses had to shut down because of irreversible financial damage the pandemic caused. Durham is no exception. Our county has about 10% fewer small businesses open than before the pandemic. That's according to data from Opportunity Insights Economic Tracker. I spoke with Brad Bankos and Steve Winch, the co-founders of East Cut Sandwich Bar, which is actually my place of employment currently. I started in July 2021, so the store already had their pandemic systems rolled out and in complete swing. Brad and Steve say the pandemic had a big effect on their independently owned business. We used to do maybe 5 to 10 percent, 5 percent takeout. Oh, wow. Now we still to this day, even with all of our dining rooms open, are doing 60 percent of our business is yeah. takeout. Ever since I joined the team, takeout was the main thing we focused on. We only had one area open for dining, the porch, so it made things pretty limited. We mainly operated through curbside ordering via a tablet that received text messages. It was truly an experience really having the restaurant just to ourselves in a way. People could come in for the restroom, but in the first few months I was there, contact was limited. Even then, business was still good. Being a natural introvert, that was one of the things that made me love the establishment. The systems made everything simple, while the contact we had was minimal, but just enough. Although we are moving away from that system currently, many orders remain to go. 
it's really a different, completely different business. Um, so that has shifted the way we do things inside. Um, we also introduced the QR code ordering, which we really like. It kind of keeps everybody moving like in a good pace for the restaurant without uh, having to do all the hand-holding of creating lines and taking orders yeah. on the counter and uh, even finding orders. So, we, you know, yeah. with the ordering previously, you'd walk up to the counter, you get a number, and then we'd have to go and find mm-hmm. you yeah. wherever you found your seat. So yeah. we used to spend a lot of time hunting for the customer and calling out their numbers. So yeah, I think it saves a lot of time yeah. on, on both sides. We're pretty happy yeah, about so that, too. Definitely. I, I would actually say that so the pandemic was obviously, you know, really big challenge, but I think we operate better now than we did prior. It forced us to refocus on so many of our systems uh, that we're far more efficient than we used to be. So, you know, you kind of make lemonade out of the lemons, and yeah. this is a very good example of that. So. I definitely agree. I looked at pictures one time, and it was like the slushies yeah, all, yeah, all behind the counter. Stuff, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's just such a different store than what I know. Currently, we have the dining room, porch, and the garden area open and available for guests. When I began thinking about small businesses in the area, East Cut came to mind due to the atmosphere of the job. I've been a student worker since I was in high school, so I've had a handful of jobs, some locally owned and some corporations. When I started EastCut, I was just at my year and a half mark at my other job, which is a corporation. While I had a good experience overall at the establishment, local businesses have always suited my personality better. In high school, I worked at a local photo shop for a little over two years. For a 19-year-old, that's a long time. I didn't realize until I got more job and life experience that local businesses make me feel more fulfilled. I can truly say East Cut is among the most organized and professional restaurants I've worked at. While it is a casual dining experience, everyone ensures you left the store happy, and if not, they're trying to find ways to fix whatever the issue was. Brad, Steve, and the management team really worked hands-on to cultivate a unique experience. Coming in while the pandemic was still fresh, I saw how our management team ensured a successful business, but also made it enjoyable and safe for us as staff. The harsh reality is that owning and operating a business is not simple work. Sometimes you will find yourself in the midst of the unexpected. When the pandemic hit, almost everyone found themselves there. With East Cut being a restaurant that operated with a lot of customer contact, the shift was something management really had to think through if they wanted to maintain the business. Here's Brad and Steve again. We used to do, what, 10 to 15 percent of our sales were alcohol sales? Yeah. And then they were zero. All all of the day, like, when COVID happened. So that changed a lot, and it changed how people perceive the store. So even when they're back, like, you know, we haven't gotten those alcohol sales back, not like they used to be. Uh, And that's okay, because we've kind of shifted towards other things. We don't do catering anymore. That used to be a big yeah, part of the that business. Was, that was like and 10% of our business yeah, beforehand. We no longer do that. So uh, a lot of changes, but you know, where we lost one thing, we've gained in, in other things. So it's it's okay. I think, yeah. Ultimately, I think you know it helped us try like get focused yeah. on like what what the business is really about and like what our customers really wanted. And that's great mm-hmm. food, great experience. That's efficient. Um, And I think that's where we try to make sure we kind of focus on those pieces. A 2020 survey by the NC Department of Commerce shows more than three quarters of small businesses have had to make big changes. Imaje Singleton's existing brand was one of them. 
On top of the changes she had to make to Imaje Naturals, she was also launching a second business. I would say for Imaje Naturals, we did a lot of hand-to-hand sales. Um, So COVID made us rethink about how we would conduct orders. Um, But as far as sales for both brands, um, we didn't really have too much issues, which I'm thankful for. I know some brands have had to either close down or just reshape what they're doing, how they do it because of COVID. I would say because I started Habits Co. in the beginning of COVID, I was shocked to see that I had performed so well. Hearing from businesses on the ground about how they reconsidered their business practices to stay afloat was inspiring. I think the beauty in this part of the story is that life always throws us the unexpected, but it's all about mindset. Hearing testimonies like this always reminds me of that. To get another perspective on the state of small businesses in Durham, I sat down with Angelique Stallings. Stallings is the Vice President of Community Investment for the Greater Durham Chamber of Commerce. Thank you, Shania, so much for having me. It's always great to be on the campus of North Carolina Central University. She was able to provide broader insight on how the city of Durham is here to support and keep small businesses afloat in the midst of hard times. Businesses that were already um, in business, they were trying to figure out how to stay in business and do it in business, right, in, in this current climate. And then people who may have been laid off or had to shut down a business or um, their business um, ended up unfortunately having to close, they said, okay, now this is the time for me to really figure it out. A lot of businesses still today, um, and I want to make sure that I say this, um, there are still resources for businesses to be able to, uh, to get to keep their businesses afloat. It seems to me Angelique Stallings is a great asset to the city of Durham and local business owners. She shared some of her values as vice president of community investment. It is a big, big deal for me, very particularly in our team as well. But that's one of the things that is so important about this role when I have conversations. It's like, how are you going to give back to the Shania's who are here um, in this city, who have grown up here, who have three and four generations of families who have lived here, legacy neighborhoods. How are you going to give back to the schools so that our students are doing well? You know, not just um, what's happening in the more affluent areas, but how are you going to help Durham to to stay um, to stay Durham and to have some equity Mm-hmm. In, in what's really going on in the growth of this city. We want to prepare our students, our young people like yourself, um, to be um, a part of this growth that's happening in the city. So how do we train people to be a part of the economic development, the construction? How do we really prepare Durham to be involved in the growth of Durham? So those are very important things um, to me and, and to our team over at the Chamber. And we... I'll work very closely with other community partners to make sure that we stay true to that. I really love the quote, how do we really prepare Durham to be involved in the growth of Durham? As the city is changing rapidly, I think it's very crucial that we have someone so in touch with equity as a lead voice within our Chamber of Commerce. It also speaks volumes about what the city of Durham values. One thing I hear from many small business owners is that the support from the community is truly unreal here. And some of those businesses, just like Stalling said, she hopes are giving back. Take Michelle Camardi. 
Kamari started a candle business in honor of her late mother. She has been very intentional about her business practices and ensures she pours back into her community. When I order my candle supplies, I try to try to keep everything local. So like majority of my candle supplies are from Candle Science, which is based out of Durham, North Carolina. And I um, do some of my marketing with some of um, local people. And I try to, like labels and stuff, I try to keep that local within like the Durham community to keep the money for with small businesses here locally. And I actually opened up, um, well, I won't say open, but did start a wholesaling and I supply some of the boutiques around her. Michelle says she tries to keep everything local. With me trying to keep my supplies on more on a local chain and keeping everything based here, it's easy for you to find cheaper things if you order out of China or stuff like that. But I try to keep everything like locally based for me to order and stay within the city. It seems as though keeping the mindset of remaining local has paid off for Michelle. She has her candles in a local environmental friendly shop, The Fillery, off Guest Road. Local is awesome. Being in Durham, I have found that as long as you're able to open yourself up, people here are willing to give you some type of advice or just to give you your first chance. And that's what happened to me a lot is just coming up and and talking with people, telling them about my candle business. And they're, they're excited for me and they'll just start offering advice or tell me to contact this person and they'll literally put you in contact with people. So really the local support is awesome. It's really awesome. And Kamardi embodies that care for community herself by giving back. Around Durham in the local markets, like I do, um, the, it's one that I do for, they do Boys and Girls Club. And some of the funding from those events is put back into scholarships for the Boys and Girls Club. And also I do like small vending events with, um, well, they're not really that small. They are on a larger, but it's with another um, marketing group that's located here in Durham also. Giving back was always something that was a core value in my family. We were not rich monetarily, but always remained blessed for each other and what we did have. Being grateful and giving was something that was constantly displayed to me as an adolescent. My aunt and a few other people in Lakewood Shopping Center set up many events to give back to the community. I remember one of my favorite moments when I had my salon down in Lakewood Shopping Center, we used to um, do a back-to-school drive, and the barbershop that uh, my hair salon was right next door to, which is 40 below, they're still down there. Um, We would participate with the radio station, 97.5, and Brian Dawson would come down to the um, parking lot and set up, and they would give away backpacks and everything. And we would, um, my salon, we would do free shampoo and um, hairstyles, and the barbershop would do free haircuts. And they would also um, put a grill out there and, 
do hot dogs and things of that nature and give away drinks and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed that. I miss that when um, I move away from the shopping center. I do miss that being in the shopping center. Also, I can say another good thing that I do miss um, with being in that um, shopping center, there was a tattoo parlor there. There was also a tax office, um, tax time and ink time were the two businesses there. And I remember one year, the tattoo parlor, the tax um, office, the barber shop, um, 40 Below, and my salon, Envy of the Town, the four of us got together. Um, we all had barrels in our businesses for Thanksgiving. And we had customers bringing food um, for, um, and we went to social services and we adopted a few families and we gave food to families. I, I'll never forget the one family we took food to and the lady just cried. She said, there's so much food. We're going to have food for about a year or so. Um, and then Christmas, um, one Christmas, that Christmas, we adopted a few families and we took um, toys and stuff for the family. You remember the one year because you went with me one year to take the families um, their toys, remember? Yes. So... <laughs> I I really enjoy, you know, um, joining and having businesses around me and um, um, joining forces with businesses. My aunt is one of the many people in my life that showed me the importance of giving back. I remember my mother and I coming to the back-to-school drive to support my aunt, but also to take part in the community that was being fostered within Lakewood Shopping Center on those days. Growing up, we primarily listened to K97.5. This was before Bluetooth days, so the events were super cool to us. Having support from your community is a key factor of owning a business when it is independent. With the owners of East Cut, Brad and Steve not originally being from Durham, they were somewhat curious of what their experience would be like opening a business here. Both attended Duke and fell in love with the area. Since opening their store in 2018, they've been showing a substantial amount of support from not only the Duke community, but from the city of Durham itself. I think Durham in general is really supportive and receptive to local, uh, like small and you know, small local owned businesses. Uh, I think we even saw that even more so during COVID, um, just the support that people had, especially in the first few weeks, people coming to buy gift cards and oh, wow. whatever we could possibly sell them, they would <laughs> down nice. to buy, so, wow. um, which is really good. Like uh, They came out in big numbers. And then Duke, being so close to Duke, we've always had great support through their uh, various programs, um, uh, through, whether it's the graduate schools and ordering food or the, or the sports programs, and we've partnered up with them on a number of things. So I think really that good connection there. Uh, and then, you know, even since inception to their the tourism department uh, mm -hmm. discovered Durham has been awesome in terms of like helping us when we were used to do like big scale events they'd help us promote those 
but even still just getting our name out in articles and helping to kind of like create some PR and buzz. I think they've all been really great with that too. I don't know. I think the only other thing I would add would be the other small businesses of Durham are very supportive of one another. I think that's one thing we were kind of like, you know, we're not from town originally. Like, yeah. will, will we be like accepted as a small business here? Cause we're kind of out of towners. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's been super welcoming and like we see other owners in our shop and mm-hmm. they recognize us in their shops and yeah. it's kind of, there's definitely a community there that is supportive in a big way. I think what makes Durham so special is the fact that most people here are willing to give you a chance if you have your heart in it. In Brad and Steve's case, they had doubts because they were not from here, but their Duke community shows up for their business constantly. For someone like Imaje, that was having so much local support she wanted to create a second brand. For Michelle, people had given her advice on how to navigate a brand and connected her with other people. My Aunt Letitia reflects on the person that gave her a chance, Miss Debbie. Miss Debbie started teaching me how to braid hair, and I braided hair, and I did a little bit of hair. I work at Woman's Glory, and then I would work at her hair salon over on Fever Street, too, because she had, like, three hair salons. So I would work on her at her Fever Street hair salon, then I work at her, other, uh, her hair salon on West End. So then, and also I lived in, and then I moved to Chapel Hill too. So I started, kept, kind of got tired of driving back and forth. And then I found a salon to work in Chapel Hill. And I moved, excuse me, I moved to Chapel Hill for about 10 years and I came back to Durham. So once I came back to Durham and I stayed back in Durham, for about five or six years, and I built my clientele back up in Durham, and that's when I opened up my hair salon in the other town, down in Lakewood Shopping Center. And now I've, you know, kept my business going, and I've been in business and doing hair for over 25 years. Like my son, my son, He'll be 30 years old this year, so that means I've been doing hair for almost 30 years now. Durham is really one of those places that shape you forever. I wanted to open the podcast with the point that Durham is not just any regular hometown because it's not. It's not a perfect city by any means, but the talent you see Brett here is indisputable. I like the way Angelique Stallings put it. Durham's culture is, um, it is just very, very unique. You know, uh, we're in the triangle, excuse me. So, you know, you have Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, that's Mm -hmm. considered the triangle. But Durham is just so different. And one of the things that I say all the time is like, Durham is dope. You know, we really, really have such a great history of just um, education Mm -hmm. with North Carolina Central University. We have Duke University, Durham Tech, and our Durham public school system is amazing. Um, my shirt today says for the culture. <laughs> it is um, a North Carolina Central University um, shirt that I have on. And, you know, the history of this town um, and people like yourself who are originally from here, we hold on to what this what this city really means to our community. Um, 
and to our ancestors. Uh, Durham is very um, a unique place in terms of uh, on the political spectrum. We we are very instrumental in how politics go, not only in North Carolina, but even up in, in Washington. So our history um, continues to play a part in how we move forward. And even as the city is changing with all the economic development and all the ways that we're growing, we still want to make sure that we stay uniquely Durham. Durham is dope. What a statement. I think Angelique summed up the whole podcast in that very sentence. Considering the information I learned speaking with small businesses, personal knowledge about the city and local legends, I think it's important for you to realize that this town is special. I want to reiterate that Durham is not a perfect city. If you grew up here, you truly understand what I mean when I say that. However, when you look at the people who started here, or even just the impact the city has on everyone born here, it's easy to see that this city is truly one of a kind. NCCU has made me develop a greater pride in my hometown since I transferred here in 2019. Recognizing how great everyone is or attempts to be is what I think about when I think about Durham. The city is growing, and sometimes I fear the change. But I know that deep down inside, Durham will always be Durham. The culture here is too embedded in me and every other Durhamite for it not to remain rich in its roots. That's it for this episode of Subject to Change. I'm Shania Hayes, and I wrote and produced this story. I want to thank everyone who helped us make this episode. Letitia Brown, mentioned as my Aunt Tish, Imaje Singleton, Brad Bankos, Steve Winch, Michelle Camardi, and Angelique Stallings. Thank you for contributing your experience to allow me to paint a small image of the community in Durham. Subject to Change is a production of 90.7 WNCU. The North Carolina News Lab Fund made this project possible. And again, I'm Shania Hayes. Thanks for listening.